Eels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Gregan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a to be Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to another week of the Green and Gold Rugby Show. This is the retro edition as we look back to some of the great Wallaby games of years past as we fill this gap. Uh, joining us today once again is Hugh Cavill. How are you, Hugh? Not too bad, Reg. Just finishing up the uh, the last of the Easter eggs. Um, oh. And uh, <laughs> you've done yeah. well. You obviously oh. don't have kids. <laughs> no, that's that's right. That's right. But. Um, yeah, this this was an interesting game actually. I've got some I've got some thoughts. There's there's um there's a lot to talk about I think, and I'm I'm happy about our guest because I think he had a had a great game. Yes, and and uh, as part of the wider picture of what this match sort of represents too was fascinating. Uh, Matt Rowley's with us too. How are you, Matt? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Yeah, just dusting myself off from 2010. Yes, it, it was a weird. It it felt like it wasn't that long ago, but you know, a decades. A good amount of time. It's, it was very strange, and seeing so many familiar faces. Well, incredible. I think that's the thing. It's a, a lot of familiar faces, but they're obviously very early on. So, what we're doing, guys, and it's probably the title giving it giving it away, but we're going back to 2010. So, the match, 30th of October 2010, the All Blacks play the Wallabies in Hong Kong of all places. It's the fourth game of the year, uh, fourth Bledisloe Cup match of the year that year. Um, and a fascinating one. The Wallabies won, ran away 26-24. Um, and, and, Reg, uh, and, Reg, before we start again, we'll give a – Reg, where can people watch yes. this game if they wanted to hit pause now and, and go and watch it? Yeah, bang on, mate. Good reminder. So rugby.com.au has actually started um, storing a list of classic games, and uh, this one's on there. So if you go to that website, click on the videos um, button at the top. Um, there's a list of classic matches there, and this is right there. So as Hugh reminded us last time, pause the podcast, go have a watch, uh, and come back and listen to the rest, rest of the podcast. And can I just say that, like, uh, the other thing, so the other two podcasts we've done were obviously back in 2000, um, 10 years on, and, I mean, the quality of the of the match you can watch. So, you know, I watched that thing and then streamed it to my, my TV, and oh. it, was in, it was in HD. Um, it was amazing. I mean, it was, yeah, versus the thing, you know, it was like a from 2000. It's like, oh, my God, yeah, it's grainy, it's square, it's, you know, it's how the world had changed in just 10 years. Yeah. So, so let's have a look at this, and we do have a special guest coming up, and we'll introduce him soon, but I wanted to sort of almost set the scene a little bit, look at that 2010 year, uh, and start with that Super Rugby season. So it was Super Rugby, it was Super 14 at this stage, ran from February to May. It was actually a pretty bloody good year for the Wallabies, or at least for the Aussie teams. The Waratahs finished third, um, Chris Hickey was their coach at the time, uh, they finished behind the Bulls and Stormers, who were one and two, with the Crusaders in fourth. Um, unfortunately, the Tars would lose their semi-final to the Stormers, 25-6. Uh, the Reds, with Ewan McKenzie in his first year as coach, finished two points outside the top four in fifth spot, which was um, pretty damn impressive given their previous year's outings. And the Brumbies are actually a further two points behind, finishing in sixth spot. They've been coached by Andy Friend at the time. So not too bad having the three teams there, you know, within a couple of points of uh, the top four. Um, unfortunately, the fours were second last on the ladder that year. John Mitchell was in the final year of his contract and I think would hand over to Richard Graham the following year. So the force well and truly in their turmoil um, early stages. Uh, and the grand final, the Bulls beat the Stormers 25-17, which was probably one of the least watched Super Rugby grand finals, at least in Australian rugby history. But uh, So that's where we are, Super Rugby season. Um, very interesting and, and not a bad coaching uh, trio from those Aussie teams at least. Um, entering this match, I guess we'll start to look at the uh, the internationals and, you know, the world rankings were very much uh, in place at the time. And it surprised me to to realise at the start of this season, the Kiwis were ranked number one. Sorry, that wasn't the surprising element, but the Aussies were number three, just behind South Africa. And actually, as the season progressed and, and we come to this game in October, the Wallabies had jumped up to second spot. So uh, we were doing pretty well at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Robbie Deans was head coach, obviously. He'd taken over from John Connolly's short spurt, uh, having started in 2008. He had John, uh, Jim Williams as his forwards coach. Uh, David Nisifor was listed as the assistant coach. I'd be interested, you know, I guess Deans was a fairly attacking, uh, uh, focused player, which is pretty critical because this team's attack was 
pretty damn amazing. And then Patricio Noriega had the scrum coach title, um, which which wasn't a <laughs> very productive one, at least if this game was was to give it any uh, sort of foray. So you know, good interesting uh, coaching panel then. The I guess the season so far would would watch the the Fijians in the first game of the season in Canberra, 49 to three, which was actually Kurtley Beale's first Test start. He debuted. Um, the year before versus Wales off the bench, but this was his first Test start. He'd scored two tries from fullbacks, so very early in in Kirtley's career. Um, and I'm sure we'll be talking more about him soon. Uh, next two games we beat England. Uh, we we beat them in Perth, 27 to 17. James Slipper made his debut from the bench. Had only represented Queensland three times at that stage, one start and, and two reserves, and then would make his two his Test debut not long after. We lost that second game in Sydney, 21-20. We beat the Irish in Brisbane, 22-15. Nothing overly remarkable about these games. Uh, pretty good Irish team, pretty average England team. Uh, we beat South Africa in Brisbane. Benny McCallman made his debut off the bench. It was a 30 points to 13 win. The All Blacks smashed us in Melbourne, 49 to 28. Interesting team. We had we hadn't quite found our groove at this stage. Celesi Marfu was tight head prop. Gitz was at fly half, and Adam Ashley Cooper was fullback. Uh, the, AB, the ABs backed up again and beat us in Christchurch, 20 points to 10. Uh, and then we went off to our South African tour and things started to get interesting here. So South Africa won in Pretoria, 44 to 31, uh, with the back with the back line that was this test. But then in Blomfontein, the, the next game, we won 41 to 39 with that incredible start. And it was all it was basically this team playing then, except for Marfu was still at three. Um, with Alexa, Alexander injured, and then we moved on to Sydney. And we played the All Blacks in Sydney. And, and went down 23-22, but I think we're actually leading. We're two tries up with about 15 to go before the All Blacks came back. So it was uh, an interesting series for us, but a lot of good performances. The All Blacks were undefeated, actually, at that stage. And, in fact, this game in Hong Kong would be the only game they lost all season. Um, and uh, they had beaten us 10 games in a row. The, the only other interesting thing I wanted to sort of set the scene was, it's probably more after the fact, but... Um, the World Rugby Player of the Year that year it was won by Richie McCall, as you'd expect, a Kiwi, but both Kurtley Beale and David Pocock were nominated for the Aussies Beale in his first year of uh, international rugby. So uh, there you go, a bit of a, a lay of the land there, lads. Uh, I, I don't suppose that this wasn't as long back as 2000. Matt, you any recollections of this game at the time? Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, you... Um, I, no, oh, sorry. No, I, I yet again cannot remember where I actually was. <laughs> Although um, in the chat... During the week, you guys, <laughs> I actually wrote the uh, gagger review for this you one, did, yeah. and and ended the uh, player ratings. It yep. was uh, <laughs> all hands on deck at that time, wasn't it? Well, yeah, <laughs> I think it was just me and the dog howling at the moon back then, maybe. Um, Writing and reading. Yeah, <laughs> and um, but and and in that, I basically talked about how I'd had a skin full of Stellas. Um, so <laughs> I don't know, maybe the night before, but because I was in the UK at the time, yeah, so yeah. again, I, I must have watched it in the morning time uh, in the UK. I can only think, um, maybe after a big night out. But yeah, it was a thrilling match. I remember it being a, um, you know, because it was obviously already it was, it was one of those dead dead rubber wins. But the thing about it was, weren't the All Blacks on some record-breaking streak? Did 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 we bust? I, I know they were on a long winning streak, but was this one of the ones where they were going to go on a world record-setting one, and we and we stopped them? Yeah, oh. I can't remember that, but what? I know they were on ten in a row against stars. So I'll see if I can find anything further from before that. But yeah, yeah. But if it was what I think it was, I think we've done this to them a couple of times. Yeah. And I, I think this might have been one of them. I'm not sure, but for whatever reason, and I think we, this team just needed to, you know, like you say, we'd lost ten in a row. Although these days that doesn't feel like, <laughs> doesn't feel like a, a, an abnormal thing. But, um, and so yeah, to break that, um, it was fantastic. And it, a little bit more about the context of this, which we wouldn't know in this match, but. I just remember that, um, and this was around about the time I also, I did some like video highlights and I think this was probably one of, um, we were actually talking about it around the family dinner table the other night. And I think guys were saying, the kids were saying that these were, that these were some of the best ones um, from this season, I think, um, just because of the nature of the play. It was so fantastic. Um, but it was amazing how that stopped the next year as we headed towards the World Cup. And it seemed to me that, I don't know, Deans had decided we weren't going to win a World Cup playing like this, that we're going to need to tighten it up. And we went from a team that you could see play like we did in this match, although with a bunch of defensive frailties to go with it, um, into a team that, yeah, just looked very, very different um, as we went into 2011. 
that's my that's my recollection of it anyway what about you Hugh can you remember where you were I mean you, you must yeah. have been at least 13 14 by then where <laughs> I was at a uni at that point but I can't look I would have been in in, in Sydney somewhere um can't remember exactly where I was. I, I remember the game, though. I, I remember parts of the game, actually. It's funny coming back to it a bit like, well, probably even more so than the last two we've done where I'm sitting through moments going, ah, that was this game that that mm. happened, you know? Yeah. Because um, this is the infamous, this is the Stephen Donald game. Um, I yes. didn't realise until the very end. But, I mean, that was when that happened. I was like, oh, of course, this is the Stephen Donald game. And this was sort of the first half of his story being the second half, being that retribution in, in the World Cup in 2015. Um, but, or sorry, in, sorry, in, um, in 20, 2011. Uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it's fascinating seeing seeing what that team was. And it's heartbreaking in a way because you, I remember what this felt like at the time, which was, yeah, this this great breakthrough moment. It, it, you know, even though we lost the, the Bledisloe 3-1, I think, you know, but it, it yep. felt like so much more. It felt like a real, you know, striking a blow against the evil empire, and and this is where we were going to start our run for the World Cup. And and you know, in, in a sense, it, it it holds the same a similar significance to the to the Bledisloe in Perth last year, where where you know we we looked to be on that trajectory, and then it obviously didn't didn't pan out. But I suppose this is more disappointing because you're seeing what is the bones of what could have been an all-time Wallaby team that just never quite got there. Um, yeah, but um, looking forward to uh, to chatting to, to, to Ben Alexander about it. Yeah, look, the other thing, though, with, that you just talking about then is like when you're watching it and you go, oh, yeah, that was this game, was this was the beginning of the ultimate niggle between Quade Cooper and yeah. basically New oh, Zealand, wasn't absolutely. it? Absolutely, yeah. Like this is, this is where it all kicked off. Um, and, you know, not only was he, yeah, not only were there the incidents that happened on the field and, you know, the, 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 whether it's the testy bit where Quaid clears out Richie probably around about half time, I think it was, and Richie kicks him from the ground. Yeah. And then, you know, Quaid gives him some verbal and gives him a push in the head at the very end of the match when we've just won. And that just, you know, that just set New Zealand alight and it changed that relationship that they'd had with Quaid forever and then going into 2000, you know, um, going into the World Cup, I mean, the rest is history, right? Like, um, you know, booing at grounds and all sorts of stuff. It was, um, this was the birth of it. It was. And, and look, I had forgotten that this was, there was so many such, you know, that Quaid was there. And this, this is the year before the Reds Premiership. And, mm. you know, Quaid and Fayingas and, and all those sorts of guys there. Look, and we'll talk about it later before we get our guest on. But, you know, in the scheme of things, what a year. That win in Blomfontein, which was amazing. Uh, this game, any win over the All Blacks, particularly those nail biters uh, and the way we played. And then uh, it was only a few games later, we put 59 points on the French in France, which yeah. was one of those remarkable performances. You're right, this was a team that could have been anything. Um, but how quickly they fell the next year? Yeah. Well, like I say, just you. It, it only hit me a few years later that you said that we went. God, when we were in, right in the in the kind of the thick of the muddle, like around 2013 with the Lions, and you know we were still struggling, and you know um, weren't really sure where we were going. And you go, God, you know, remember back to 2010? This was a team that could do anything. Um, and then yeah, fast forward a few years, and I don't know, a few hungry jacks, and uh, <laughs> a, a few other things later, and then suddenly it's. Um, it's yeah, it's it, it looked very very different. All right, so let's let's uh, we're going to bring in our special guest, and as uh, Hugh mentioned, it's Ben Alexander, tight head prop on the day. Uh, seventy odd tests for the Wallabies, I think it was seventy two. He played one hundred and fifty odd games for uh, the Brumbies. I think he remains the highest try scoring front row in Super Rugby. Um, fantastic player. He's uh, and we couldn't have picked a, a better player to be part of this team. He, he and actually this part of this podcast, he had an actual absolute whopper on the game. He was everywhere. Um, and uh, we welcome to the show. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Now we're going to get into this game in a bit of detail, and it's an amazing game. And as I said in my intro, we're we're sort of hunting around as who we thought we might get for this podcast, and then we all sort of watched the replay and said we have to get Benny Alexander if we can, because you are exceptional in this game. And we'll, we'll get to that in a second, but let's talk, I guess, that era. You know, that that 2010, we there's a 
as we said in the lead up, it was quite a special year for the All Blacks, uh, for the Wallabies, sorry, in terms of they had uh, a, a groundbreaking win in Bloemfontein. We had this game over the Kiwis and all in Hong Kong, and then a few games later, a massive win in France. I know you were injured for a little bit, but what do you remember at this year of, of rugby? And I guess mention your injury and where you were in the lead up to this game. Yeah, I mean, we'd, uh, the year before we had the, yeah, we went on that Grand Slam tour or try and win the Grand Slam and we, uh, I think we, what happened? Oh, uh, Ireland, that's right. We drew against Ireland on the bell. Brian O'Driscoll scored to sort of end that hope of the Grand Slam. We played reasonably well that that, that, that on that, uh, that 2009 tour. had a really good win against Wales, beat England. We just lost to Scotland and drew with drew with Ireland. But um, it sort of really felt 2010 was, in sort of more not not really a building year anymore. Like we really thought it was a year where Wallabies had to play well. You know, Robbie had taken over, sort of had a um, sort of his first year in charge, 08, and then sort of a rebuilding year in 09. And sort of 2010 was sort of really felt like it was a year where the team really had to um, do do well. Uh, and yeah, so getting injured early in that, so I think oh, the first game against Fiji, sort of I was out, but. Um, we did have yeah, a couple of disappointing matches. What were the you guys probably know better? Scores that we play. We lost to Melbourne, I think. For all yeah, so yeah, yeah, that's right. So you lost to New Zealand three times. You had a loss to England over in Sydney, um, and then you played the Kiwis in Melbourne, Christchurch, and lost both of those as well, um, and then once in Sydney. But that was a that was a uh, a twenty three twenty two loss in Sydney, just a one pointer. Yeah, and that's uh, but yeah, that was the, the third match, wasn't it? Yeah, and then you had those two amazing mm-hmm. games in South Africa, the couple of high-scoring matches in Pretoria and Bloemfontein. That's I right, know. and I do remember that the Melbourne game really knocked the, the wind out of the sails because um, the All Blacks put quite a bit. They really put a bit of a number yeah. on us, didn't they? So I they think, did. yeah, there was a fair bit of um, that was really disappointing, but I think the team definitely did really well to sort of dust themselves off. Um, in that South African tour to get that win, obviously that, that unbelievable win in Bloemfontein, and played really good footy even the week before mm. to go down. That was in where was that the week before? That was Pretoria. In, Loftus. Pretoria, yeah. They were like two of the best games of rugby ever, especially Absolutely. the first half or that first twenty minutes of that Pretoria test. I remember watching it just going, um, while he was just carving up. Unfortunately, South Africa managed to claw it back, but to see the boys go one step further the next week. You sort of almost saw the same thing repeating itself in that Bloemfontein test, but then for the Wallabies to think Drew Mitchell scored late, didn't he? And then um and then uh and then obviously Kurtley with the penalty. So to get one. that yep. win Yeah, we definitely went into Hong Kong with a bit of um as a squad, yeah, with a bit of confidence to sort of you know, we knew the bloodest I was gone for the year and um, so yeah, we we really we came out firing. It was it was definitely um, I was lucky to be there in 2008. I didn't play, but um, that was sort of my first tour. But yeah, we were really I remember being really excited coming into that to to go out there and play well and and, and see what happens and try and um, yeah try and get get one up on them because yeah each game we gradually felt like we were getting closer to them. So Melbourne they sort of blew us off the paddock. Um, Christchurch, we sort of hung in there. Yeah. were too good. And then Sydney just fell short. So we thought maybe fourth time lucky <laughs> we might get a crack at them and, and build some momentum into a big spring tour and um, just try and continue momentum leading into a World Cup year. And that was definitely, everyone was really, um, I remember being, everyone was really focused, really up, really up for that match going into it. Uh, Benny, just how do you, when you look back on that time, uh, you know, with Robbie Deans, like, um, What's your take out of the whole thing? I mean, obviously, it was a, you know, Dean's coming on board as a coach was a massive thing. You know, having a foreign coach, um, he obviously had a certain style, a way of doing things, you know, coming from the Crusaders, um, you know, and then obviously brought a whole bunch of young guys on board. Um, obviously, he'd end up um, with the, you know, the Lions tour later on. But what's your kind of memory of him as a coach? What, how, did, how did it work for you? Oh, I mean, um, Robbie... I've been asked that a couple of times, and the one thing I always say is Robbie got me to believe that I could be better than I ever thought I could. Um, right. Like I never thought I'd ever play for the Brumbies or the Wallabies or anything like that, and he sort of picked me out of obscurity and 
Um, I'll always be grateful for him instilling a bit of self-belief in me. I just had always played footy because I loved it, but he really was the one coach that really sort of not pump pump my tyres up to sort of a, a bit of a loose way of explaining it, but he really did. Um, he kept saying, "Just keep doing what you're doing." Just was just super encouraging. Always had time for you on on and off the training paddock, uh, and just definitely, yeah, he he helped me um, sort of grow as a player and helped me massively get get the most out of my potential. And I'll always be very grateful for him for that. For uh, yeah, just helping me believe that yeah, I could be better than I ever thought I could be. And what was the circumstances in which he spotted you then? Well, that... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know because we Brums in two thousand eight. He was still coaching the Crusaders, and and I didn't play the Brumbies game against the Crusaders. That was round one. I did make my debut till about the fourth or fifth round, and I only played maybe five or six games. And I did have one or two all right games off the bench, but I didn't start any. And um. Yeah, I think there's just a few injuries and I sort of somehow squeaked into the Wallaby squad, snuck in there and wow. there was a few more injuries and before I knew it, I was sort of on the bench making my debut against France. So um, there was yeah, a bit of luck and I think, yeah, it was, he was new um, after those seven World Cups, so he's looking to blood some new guys. I was sort of in the, the right spot at the right time playing some OK footy. It's an interesting, Benny. I guess you played for the Brumbies, which are renowned for playing, you know... Uh, whole of team rugby you know all 15 were, were very skillful and and you're at the heart of that this wallaby team was like that i mean this game in particular if we focus on this hong kong, hong kong game so much width and speed and obviously a lot of that comes from you know the likes of quaid and curtly at fullback and o'connor on the wing and all this sort of stuff and drew and and, and giddo they you know three playmakers but that forward pack is one of the most skillful forward packs going around let alone the front row you know yourself benny robinson and stephen moore are all fantastic ball runners as you had Chisholm and Sharp in the second row who were equal to the same. Rocky Elson at his peak, you know, at blindside was fantastic. I guess, you know, Benny McCowan was the real workhorse, but he got his hand on the ball. And then, obviously, David Pocock. It was a, a remarkable, skillful 15. Was that an approach from Deans? Or was just a, a moment in time you felt that that's the way they wanted to play? Yeah, there was always a really big emphasis on playing, you know, with wits. Uh, and it just didn't matter who had the ball. If the space was out wide, you know, you had to be able to catch and pass and do so under pressure. So it was sort of, um, yeah, really 15-man rugby. And, yeah, be able to use the full width of the field to stretch to defence. You know, if you just want to tuck it under your wing and just truck it up, you know, defences can narrow. And, and you know, they obviously thought that you're never going to beat New Zealand doing that in a World Cup. I mean, yeah, we didn't beat New Zealand, as it turned <laughs> out. But I think the, the the thinking was, you know, you really got to stretch defences, and that's sort of the Australian way. And to be able to do that, yeah, you got to be able to pass um, both left and right, and maybe throw the offload in here or there if you can sort of get a good carry, get an arm free, and playing behind them. So that was definitely, um, yeah, and that's sort of the style. Of, I mean, I, I really enjoy, I enjoy all that. There's not a part of the game I didn't enjoy. So, um, yeah, I really enjoyed that style and that attacking. I think the fans definitely enjoyed sort of that, that patch of sort of 2010-2011. The team did play some really good footy, especially you know, those two South African tests, the Hong Kong test, um, you know, France. Brisbane, Bledisloe, yep. the yep. next year, 2011, you know. And then, um, yeah, the wheels fell off in a couple of games in, in the World Cup, but it was, uh, you know, there was still some entertaining footy being played. And, mate, you must, I mean, surely, um, I know we were just saying uh, pre the interview, like uh, you might not have even have seen this whole match for a while, but does it? do you remember it as being a particularly good match? Because you, you, ha- you have an absolute blinder, and I, I can't, you, you, this must have been you at peak fitness, was it? Because you were absolutely everywhere in this match for, I believe, the full 80 minutes. 80 minutes. It absolutely. was incredible. Yeah. At tight head. <laughs> Yes, that was my first game back from being injured, but I had pretty much one-on-one training with it. We had a rugby league trainer at the time and a former um, Australian beach sprints champion, Marcus Kane. He was our trainer at the Brumbies, so I did all my rehab. Pretty much I had him to myself. Uh, The Brumbies (laughs) did have a lot of wallabies back, and and the rest of the guys were either playing in Sydney. There wasn't many uh, during that wallaby season. There wasn't many... Brumbies guys at Brumbies are either at Wallabies or they're playing club rugby in Sydney. So I pretty much got one-on-one uh, love from Hank, as he was, as, <laughs> as his name, and 
he just ran me ragged and kept me, yeah, fit as a film, had me ride my bike into training and then run all day and ride at home. And, um, yeah, I was I was really fit going into that. And, and, yeah, really excited as well. You know, you can get sort of caught in the trap when you're playing week in, week out. And um, But I hadn't played in four or five months, so I was really, really, really up for it, really, really, yeah. And uh, just, yeah, wanted to beat the All Blacks. Really, yeah. really wanted to beat them. I'd never done it before that night, so I only did it once, probably once. Yeah, I only did it once, maybe twice after it. But um, yeah, can you can you remember the atmosphere? Part of can you before we get to the game again? Did, can you remember the atmosphere? Like Hong Kong, I think it was about twenty six thousand, so not a massive crowd. But was that an odd feeling playing the All Blacks at uh, you know a neutral neutral territory? And and did you, did that come through in the game or the All Blacks? You know, there how they approached it or anything? No, only because I've been to Hong Kong on two years before, and we played in Japan yeah. the year before that in Tokyo. Yeah. So it was sort of the norm. Pretty much everyone in the squad had played a match on neutral territory against them. So now it was sort of, oh, you know, this is our Asian stopover match on the way to Europe. Right. Um, you know, so yeah, it, it wasn't that different. Um, I do remember there was a lot of Aussies in the crowd, and yep. it was a very vocal crowd, especially the air. Remember towards the end just that surge we made. Uh, I don't know how many phases we had leading up to Rabs' try right at the end there, but, um, yeah, it was it was an yeah, awesome atmosphere. And I remember, uh, I don't know if you know Hong Kong very well, but Lan Kwai Fong, that sort of street there, is a, there's a good few beers after the game yep. there as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that, that's brilliant. But the, the, the bit that didn't go so well um, was, was Alan Rollard was the uh, ref. And, I mean, for the first, I don't know, for the first 60 minutes or so, um, he had you guys all over the place as far as, I think he had you for early engaging. Scrums, yeah, and yeah, Pushing yeah. In, in, the, in the scrum and all that sort of stuff. Do you remember that? Do you remember that being a bit of a, a, a weird game? And do you remember any of the detail of it? No, nah, not specifically, but, yeah. It probably all, probably, he was always a good ref for Lan. He was... I normally police the scrum pretty well, as most of the Northern Hemisphere refs, you know, they got the, they they generally know what's happening at scrum time. So I do remember it being a bit of a mess that game, but most of the time, yeah. Um, but nothing specific, no. Uh, I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm not surprised the scrums were a little bit loose, considering how much running was happening in this game. And I, I thought I was making note of myself as I was watching it, and you know, Fat Cat started particularly. Uh, strongly lots of runs and then you were behind them and then Moore was wanting wide. It was an amazing performance by the front row. But a, a great start too. Sort of, I think Quaid scores first, sort of dumbing over in the corner and then he sets that wide pass to Adam Ashley Cooper. Would, would have been a lot of confidence in the team. Can you remember that sort of feeling that things were clicking uh, during that game? Yeah, I remember we yeah we started fast, didn't we? Because that yeah. was the same in the, the two South African yep. test. You know, we started really well and we sort of knew um, you can sometimes catch them napping early. The All Blacks, yeah. they'll never, you'll never catch them napping the whole game. But sometimes they do. Uh, they pace themselves very well. Like they don't come out all guns blazing, and or sometimes they do. But generally, week in week out, they sort of really build into the game, and they don't really kick up a gear till about the thirty minute mark, and. You always said maybe nick a try just before half time, and then coming out of half time, they'll nick another one or two and they yeah. skip away from you. But when you do play them, you need to start well and build confidence and all that. So we definitely came out of the blocks. But do I remember Martin? I know he might have scored. Did he score? He scored, scored one. Like we got a couple and then, and then they scored. I think he got them back in the game. But um, Yeah, and I think Jimmy Cowan scored right before half time, too, um, if I remember. So it was pretty it, but, tight. And then, yeah. And then they kick, they did kick in onto the lead, didn't they? We didn't score again for a while. So they sort of, they always do a really good job of controlling the middle of the game, not like uh, sort of from the 20-minute mark to the 60-minute mark. They've always done a really good job of, of the scoring last in the first half and scoring first and second half just to build momentum or mm. get some momentum in the halftime and then wrestle control the second half early. Um, yeah, they've always done that really well. Uh, I think a lot of that's a combination of, of fitness and just, you know, they, they're just a very confident team and they don't get flustered early. Even if you can put a few points on them, they just sort of stay composed, they calm and they and they fight back. And then I guess we were lucky that they just couldn't close the game out there. I think, yeah, what, Steve Beaver, Beaver didn't kick it out and 
We managed yep. to get the game. Of <laughs> Drew Mitchell, Drew Mitchell, a bit of magic, and yep. next thing, I think Drew, Drew scored a great try, and then we just, yeah, just kept fighting, 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 and recycling, 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 and then eventually we scored. No, it was brilliant. And mate, so does that, sound, as the, does that sound like the right game? Am I, am yeah, you're bang on. Right? You're exactly right. You are. You are, mate. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess like you say, you, you're a bit of a, a young pup back then. So you got any sort of abiding memories, sort of maybe you know after the match, or you know, I guess you're as a young guy working your way into the team. Or you, you got any just any memories, uh, you know, that you kind of look back on and smile about um, with that with that win? Oh, I mean, I'll always, yeah, sometimes you see the highlights of, um, like, everyone jumping on Rabs at the end there, and I remember where I was. I was right there, buddy, cuddling him, giving him a big hug, and um, just, yeah, it's nice when you see the footage of that, because I have seen that bit at the ends always, every now and then, they show that yeah. him kick absolutely icing that conversion. Yeah. Um, it didn't even look like missing. He, he was, he was oh, under pressure, Rabs is a great kicker. You remember it? Kicking that one against South Africa in the quarterfinal, like we were just on the yep. pump, and then we get one penalty. Rabs just steps up and just bang nails it. Um, yeah, he was really, really he, kicking well he, back then. He also kicked the one before from Mitchell's try, so I think it must have been Quaid was missing him, and then all of a sudden um, Giddo missed a couple, and then O'Connor's first kick was after the Mitchell try. He kicked one from the opposite corner, and then. Kicks this one. Can you can you remember that feeling of, of you know obviously elation from the try, but then you know the pressure of, of James lining up. Can you remember that feeling of of was there a level of confidence there? Yeah, no, I mean because it was a fair way out. Yeah. The conversion, and we'd had been Giddy. Yeah, there was that transition period when Giddy was kicking, and, and then they sort of gave quite a go, and obviously, um, and then eventually Rabs got the shot, but. I mean, you always back back the guy. I mean, young fellas um, generally pretty fearless, and what do they say? That part of your brain doesn't fully develop until you're 25 <laughs> in males, where they don't really, yeah. they can't, they don't process the um, consequences of their actions. So, you yeah. know, it's, you know, just it, it was in the moment and himself, and just absolutely nailed it. And yeah, to get get a win against, you know, I'd grown up watching the Wallabies and watching the All Blacks, and to be a part of a to be part of a great win was um, yeah, it was very very special. Uh, um, mate, so look, I've got one final thing here that um, it's actually not necessarily rugby related, but um, if you on your Wikipedia page um, it says um, uh, Wallaby, you know Wallabies and Brumbies rugby player and Finska player. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you want to you, you yeah, talk, you talk us through that? You want to talk us through that? Uh, well, last year, if my mate put that, but there is some truth to the story that uh, I am the reigning ACT Finska champion. So, <laughs> the uh, Finnish embassy hold a tournament here every year, and I was walking home from my cafe uh, in in uh, Deakin where I live, and there's a park at the end of my street, and there was this big, you know, these Finnish flags and this, um, yeah, there's a Finska tournament, and I'd never heard it before heard of it before until actually the weekend before I'd been at a wedding and they'd played it on the recovery day yeah sort of the day after the wedding so I sort of knew the rules I'd played a few games and then um yeah rocked up and there'd been a cancellation so they let me join in and um yeah ended up winning so <laughs> yeah ACT 2019 Finska Fest and then it was, it was supposed to be on again uh two weekends ago but obviously everything's cancelled at the moment because of the bloody coronavirus so, yeah. oh so you've retained hopefully so you've retained 2021 your... i'll get i'm sorry so have you retained your title mate you've got it for another you got it for another year yeah so i've got my little wooden trophy proudly displayed in the kitchen so um yeah, if you want, um, yeah, hopefully 2021 I'll be back to defend my titles. So, a very <laughs> proud day. Well, one, one day door. In my sporting catalogue. Yeah, well, one door closes, another one opens, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Benny, we're going to let you go, mate. Really appreciate you joining us um, and, and sort of helping us relive some of the memories from that game. Um, I might add, Benny's doing some great stuff on Twitter at the moment, asking a lot of questions, uh, you know, investigating, I guess, what are some options of rugby down the track, and I think he's going to work with Nick on a bit of an article for the site too, but appreciate that, Ben. Really enjoyed your insight with that one. Uh, cheers, guys. Just, yeah, like like all, all of us, big fan of the game and just really want to uh, 
try and figure out what the path forward could be and, and um, just try and offer solutions. Good on you, Ben. All right, mate. We'll speak to you soon. Uh, cheers, guys. My pleasure. See you, Thanks, mate. There you go. Thanks again to uh, Benny Alexander there for his uh, contribution joining us. Matt, that was great. Hey, I mean, lots to take away there, but I guess the, the big one is is how you play the All Blacks, how you how you beat those All Blacks. Well, I mean, it was amazing. He he like um, we'll forgive him, right? Uh, Ten years on, if he hasn't watched <laughs> the game again, but he you know some of those tries aren't quite right. But what he talked about, which he was bang on about, was exactly the shape of the game that the All Blacks like to do. So in this game, so yeah, we get a try in the fifth minute um, when Cooper slides across. Um, then we get another one with that flat ball to AAC at the twenty fourth minute. But then the All Blacks do you know Cowan scores a try in the thirty second minute, and then Corey Jane in the thirty fourth minute, and then they come out and they get a try in the fifty sixth minute to Nonu. Yeah. You know, and, and that's just that classic. He talked exactly about how they pace themselves, how they can start slow, but then how they always lift around halftime. Um, and this is a this is a classic one of those matches. It's yeah, it's it's uncanny. Yeah, and credit to the boys coming back. So, Hugh, you know, let's sort of go back to the start. Is, is there anything – I know you're a big fan of, of before game, pre-game. Anything you want to mention pre-game? Can we briefly touch on why was this game in Hong Kong and <laughs> why were we playing four Bledisloes in a year? Yeah. I mean, that was – the very heart of the cash crowd. So I think Benny mentioned that, what, 2008 was in Hong Kong. I think 2009 they played in Tokyo. So it was very much at the heart of – and they just accepted it. I was like, oh, was that a bit strange? It's like, no, no, we just knew it. We accepted it was our Asian League of the European Tour. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of worked. I mean, we might – God knows if it's a cash crowd, we might be playing seven or eight next year. Yeah. But um, <laughs> it was more – it just it didn't feel like much atmosphere in the crowd. Did nah, it? Did nah it, I thought the crowd it, was pretty dud, a bit of a dud. Yeah, it it didn't sort of have that have that sort of vibe to it, did it? But I mean, it was still yeah, uh, uh, what was a really good you know good game. But I I don't think I mean talking in a general sense, I suppose it, it, I I don't think it was as good a game as those two that we've watched those two two thousand games. Like it, it it was it had its moments, but it was scrappy in parts, and certainly the set piece was you know was was a bit um sort of ropey, and and there was. You know, there was just a lot of missed tackles from both sides and um, it didn't feel like the quality of play was as high as what it was in those 2000 games. Yeah, that's interesting. I, look, I, you know, I, I don't think you can. I mean, it's hard to you know put when you got the, the likes of Horn and and uh, and Eels and Wilson, all that sort of stuff, and from the other side, Cullen and Lomel. It's hard to match them up. Although that All Black team is still pretty good. But geez, I enjoyed this game. I just thought it was such a uh, yeah, right. There's little elements, and I guess that's the evolution of the rules, particularly around the scrum. Mm. But uh, you know, the width and speed of this game by the Aussies. Maybe as I've just forgotten it, and and how well the three amigos, you know, and we'll talk a lot about it. The three amigos combined, and what that meant for attacking force, but also the likes of Rocky Elson, how he how good he was, and you know, like I said, Benny Benny Alexander shocked me. I've forgotten how you know how effective he was, but we we can get into all that sort of stuff. I mean, Matt, from your perspective as a game, mm. it was to enjoy it. Yeah, I did, mate. And like, just as I just picking up on what you're talking about, there was. You know how rugby has just turned into this bit of a slugfest in the middle of the field um, yeah. with that same those you know same two forward pods. And don't get me wrong, the, you, you saw a bit more of that structure starting to come in. You know, ten years on from those matches that we've already talked about, but it, it still didn't feel as formulaic as rugby has become. Um, and there was still a lot more space and um, you know uh, fast men managing to get around big men um, sort of thing. And it, I think that's what kind of gave it you know, quite a lot of its electricity. And, and yeah, we just had um, a lot of skill and pace out wide. Um, and the, the interplay between everybody was was excellent. As I think as Benny said in his interview, like everyone needed to be able to, you know, catch and pass and, and, and they did. Um, the one thing that did strike me though, you touched on it, you both, both of you guys talked about it was set piece and the scrum and just remembering what a, you know, clusterfuck the hit was in yeah. the scrum. I mean, how yeah. that, how that came to be what it was, and this was like peak Disasterville when both sides just tried to smack into each other and somehow the scrum was supposed to stay up. I mean, it was just lunacy, wasn't 
Yeah, so it's, it's an interesting evolution of, I mean, I guess, particular, and it's not all the Wallabies' fault, but an interesting evolution. I mean, remembering in 2003, we lost Benny Darwin, so, and, and Fletcher Dyson a year later, so both through serious neck injuries. So the world of the world rugby stood up and took notice, and I think they started refereeing the scrums differently. At the same time, Eddie Jones takes, you know, is coaching the Wallabies, and his focus becomes less on the set piece, or at least the scrum. You know, I think there's the old, um, it's only 2% of the game, so we'll only do 2% of our training sessions on it. And Al Baxter and Matt Dunning and all that sort of eventuates only a few years before this, you know, culminating in that 2007 World Cup. So we're still finding our way at establishing a front row. And Alexander and Robinson and, and probably to a lesser extent more were known for their, their you know, skills around the park and their ability to get around and, and not necessarily their, their set piece. Although Ben Robinson sort of developed as a as a loose head prop, but um it was a different focus and and uh, and by no means was it, you know, a strong aspect of our game, at least in this game. Yeah. I mean look, you can go through it. I I'm not sure. I think the thing about Roland's um, yeah. refereeing of this was that it was just a bit ropey yeah. both ways. Like I think we I think we lucked a couple. Yeah. Um, I think they definitely lucked a good handful and we kind of came back towards the end of it. But, you know, there was just times and it was clear that, you know, the All Blacks were either getting an early hit on or they were pushing through the hit, but we were kind of copping it. Um, and I think what we'd done is we obviously weren't listening to his calls well enough, which yeah. I think gave, um, gave him the shits. But, um, but, but it was just more the general – and I can't – which year was it that they basically finally – got rid of the hit because but it was it's just watching you know so from 2000 when it was still more of a wrestle like yep. people just kind of came in and just had a bit of a wrestle and got the got the scrum going to this one where we had you know teams like half a meter apart touching and then smacking into each other and surprise surprise every second scrum ending up on the ground and it yeah. was to be fair look yeah I, I'm not defending and saying we I everything you just talked about is right but it, it was you know even if you've got two good front rows it you're still you're still going to get a bunch of misfires because it's just yep. it's just nuts and it was clear like you know uh, you know Woodcock was kind of pl playing for a bit of that and he finally gets pinged for it but anyway yeah it was a bit of a blast from the past going back and seeing all that you forget what you know what it, what it was like at that point and so let's um uh the game start what what's the remarkable thing that stands out early in this game guys what's the the first thing that jumped out to me first penalty of the game Richard McCaw at the breakdown. <laughs> you know, when, when that happens, you know, maybe that's your night, maybe. <laughs> yes, it's true, actually. Any any match where we kind of managed to get you, – you knew the ref maybe was um, – well, I don't want to say on your side, but not on the wrong side. Um, the one thing that – the thing that jumped out to me, mate, was Jimmy Cowan's hair. Far yeah. out. Jeez, I thought so it was bad. Justin Marshall. I'd completely forgotten about Jimmy Cowan existed. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. That was that was a shocking haircut. The – um. Uh Sorry, sorry. Really. Yeah, you go, you go. I mean, the thing that stood out for me in those early stages, to bring it back slightly to the footy, though, is, <laughs> is and another thing that was a hallmark of that era, looking back on it, as I did a little bit more research and put, you know, back in that mindset, was was our goal kicking and just how appalling it was oh um, for that period. And and Matt Giddo was sort of the centre of it all. And there was, you know, this is also represents a bit of a, a low period in his career because, I, you know, from here... He basically fell out of favour and 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 ended up missing the World Cup squad um, next year. Um, and then you know before his sort of redemption, glorious redemption, four years later. Um, and you know it, it's it's funny to think think about our goal kicking for the longest time. You know, and that was probably the low point. But it's fair to say it hasn't got much higher. Um, but. You know, seeing the ball what go, I think it was four different kickers in that game, I mm. think, or three or four. I went started out with, with Gitto and then Beal and then I think O'Connor finished. So it might have only been three, but um, mm. that's um, pretty remarkable in that. And, and we were just spraying them, spraying them to all sides. It was, it, it was pretty ridiculous. Yeah, and no, Gitto wasn't even getting close. But And I remember we, at the time, um, we had a writer, Scott Allen, who was doing a bunch of analysis. And I think his analysis was just like, he's not even lining up properly. He's, yeah. he's, not, he's not lining up at the posts. And um, I think even the commentary uh, sort of talked about, you know, how we, some of uh, the analysis that we'd been doing on it. But yeah, he, it was in, I think we missed, um, I think we had, at one point we had like one from six mm. attempts, at, attempts at goal. Um, in, in that match, it was an, until uh, Jock uh, stood up and, and slotted a couple. 
and they mentioned it was we were using Bram van Straten from via Skype, you know. Oh, via Skype, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and you go, yeah, that that probably wasn't the best idea. <laughs> but yeah, okay. So so, but I was thinking about this as as a general sort of as, as a slight digression. Like, you know, you look at England and having the Farrells and the Wilkinsons and these sort of great kickers over time, and and New Zealand having Dan Carter, Australia just. In, in my era, certainly from, from 2000 onwards, Elton Flatley had a burst in yep. 2003 and he was a good kicker. And the only other bloke that I could think of that even came close to that was Mike Harris mm. um, as a, you know, sort of might, might have played a handful of tests. But um, I remember he had that sort of streak for Queensland that was, yeah. that was uh, one, you know, yeah. couldn't miss for, for weeks. But, you know, you think of Wallaby kickers, we have had barely anyone... In no one approaching that level of quality in, in the last 20 years. Yeah, that's interesting because, I mean, in, in my era, Paul McLean was just a bit before, but McLean was the legend. That, but I rolled straight into Michael Liner, who, yeah. who was just superb, and then basically straight into Matty Burke, who, who again, was um, and with you know, with a little bit of tinge of John Eels every now and again. But Berkey was there as, two, as, as well, and those two were, I think, still are the top two point scorers for the Wallabies. But you're right, it's been a glaring omission since then. Yeah. No, it was um, a shocker. But let's look at this team, and I mentioned with Ben, Exan- ben Alexander, it, it is a it is a particular team picked, and it's as much the Dean's era. And I guess you know he hastened the career forward of, of the, the three amigos, and and I thought they were in their element of this game, and we saw the very best of them, at least in the first half. And Quade had you know a few Quade things in the second half, but the combination of Quade's passing and Precision and with Curtly uh, the back, who was superb, mm. and um, and James o- O'Connor just provided danger across the park. And yeah, add to that what, what I think is one of the most skillful mobile forward packs the Wallabies has picked for a long time, uh, with Robertson, Moore, Alexander, Chisholm, Sharp as a tight five, let alone Rocky Elsom, and then sort of McCalman's a bit more of a workhorse. It was a team picked to play fast footy, mm. and, and you yeah. forget. You forget O'Connor is twenty as yes, well. Yes, yes. Mm. And like he is, he's looks like he's a he, and he looks younger, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, and yet he goes into contact and somehow is is that powerful. I mean, it's that's the it's the most amazing sort of thing, especially looking at the twenty year olds we've got now in Australian rugby, who are you know a great crop of youngsters. But you, you put him up against O'Connor at that age. Um, that's a good point. Know, yeah, he yeah. still he still comes out ahead every time. And, and he, yeah, again. Like how every time he's 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 beating the man in contact, and he goes off the back of this and has an amazing World Cup in 2011. Like it, it's it's um, yeah, the, it's phenomenal what what he's able to do in that game. Mm, but then only what three years later, you know, is gone from the Wallabies is only and has only returned just now. Um, you know what what a, what a tale. And that's it. We've talked sort of pre-game about this or the last couple of days just on our chat about what this team could have been and, and what they ended up being, you know, even just the next year at the World Cup. It was a, a staggering fall from grace. But let's focus on this. What what about the three amigos, guys? I mean, O'Connor, Beal, Quaid, what's your interpretation of of their performances, Matt? You're a massive Quaid fan. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's move on to Quaid. No, look, I, I think Quaid showed this was, you know, peak Quaid this match, even yeah. though it was so early in his yeah. national career, because you saw the amazing, I mean, like the, the passes that the pass he throws onto AAC's chest yeah. Yeah, for this, for that second try um, when he, when AAC just comes straight through the middle um, is just, it's breathtaking. Um, yeah. And there's a, and there's a bunch of other uh, passes throughout the game like that. I mean, it's the passing that was the wide passing. Yeah. Was, Fantastic from everybody. The Absolutely. the pass that Beale throws to O'Connor um, for I'm uh, yep. not no, um, for Mitchell Mitchell yeah in that second last try um, you know where he kind of dummies uh, pulls I think it's Mills Murley yep. foot further back inside and then throws this bullet pass straight in ahead of um, Mitchell's it's just incredible so yeah so but anyway back to Quaid so yeah we saw that. Obviously, we saw the argy bargy, and it was you know we talked about the beginning of all of that. So we saw you know he became infamous in this match, um, but then we also saw him get shrugged off, for example, yeah. by Richie McCaw, which I think um, 
winds up in maybe yeah in the nonu try at the 56th minute um you know that where there's it was one of the things with quade there always felt like there was either a try or a yellow card that was going to get given away at some stage in the match um which is always hard to deal with when you're kind of playing at this level so yeah i thought we saw the the perfect mix of quade um which was sublime skill and you know and everything else that kind of came with it it was the it was the vintage quade game wasn't it because Mm -hmm. You also had that feeling in the last, what, 15 minutes of the game and he just loosened up a bit um, and did some things that I was tearing my hair out. Yeah. Um, I, I we were hot on attack and he put a grubber kick in, yep. um, which really I think he had two forwards outside him um, and, you know, it just was not on. There was, there was no sort of, um, you know, there was no world in which anyone was ever going to score from that. And there was a few other plays like it, you know, where, where he was sort of through through something in through through wild pass or something off the deck. I, I can't. I, I seem to recall. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a couple yeah. of kicks into touch. I mean, if I if I, I've got to read, go back and read the player ratings uh, done by one <laughs> Matt Rowley, who, who's, who who gave gives Quade Cooper a six, and 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 he says so hard to score in attack. He's got the Kiwi so worried they triple mark him while his passing cuts them to shreds. And he goes and scores a try. In defence, he was a train wreck with wobbly kicks to go with it. But it, but Matt liked the nigger with McCaw. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Can we just um, see, I, I said niggle. I just I, you, you, you might have cut out a little bit there. So, this is only ten. This is only ten years ago, not sixty years ago. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's the thing yeah. about Quay too. I forgot. Like I say, like 2011 was, I thought the year that he showed. Yeah, he matured as brilliant for the Reds. But this was the year before that that he, you know, he, he you know, he was the Wallaby ten and, and um, did a reasonably good job other than that second half. Um, Beal, superb. I had forgotten this was his first full year for the Wallabies. Wow, I, I yeah, I just it was bizarre when I was looking at that. Um, well, what, it was his, it was only his first full year because he got injured in the end of twenty oh eight because he broke his leg in that Super Rugby final in two thousand eight. I and see. he would have walked into the Wallabies that year, or we wouldn't have walked in, but he would have probably played. Right. Um, and then basically that put him out for a year, and he only got back at the end of two thousand and nine. Yeah, yeah, and made his debut that year. But regardless, he was exceptional, and his speed was was fantastic. Yeah, no, he yeah he he looked um, he was incre- he was razor sharp in, in that match. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it, that little stutter step where he then kind of just goes around out the outside of Mills Mulliana or someone like that to set up that that you know that ends up in a try. It feels like that happened a few times that season. That um, wasn't the only time. It was um, yeah, he he was certainly on fire that season. And yet, you think we go into the next World Cup and our starting centre pairing is Pat McCabe and Ant Fienger. Yeah, and yeah. and you know we've got Digby on one wing and. O'Connor on the other wing and, and Beal at fullback. Yeah, I don't know. You, you think hindsight's a marvellous thing, but that, that back line, you know, especially with what we know now about Gitto and, and probably how he was, you know, I dare say, maligned at the time. Again, looking at uh, the, the rankings of one pundit who gave him a three out of ten in this game um, <laughs> <laughs> and said uh, there wasn't much else to write home about what a difference when Barnes came on. Uh, did we see a historical turning point for this backline when he got yanked for Sookface, uh, as was Berrick's nickname at the time? Um, and yet, you know, you know, didn't have an outstanding game, but I, I don't think he did. Yeah, I thought that was out. harsh. It was, yeah. was a bit, it was a bit harsh, actually. Actually, you, when I when I reread, I thought it was harsh on everyone. <laughs> yeah, but you got to remember where, where we were about Gitto at the time. I mean, Gitto was really on the outer. He was the crab that ran across field. He, he yeah, was yeah. surly, and he was the one who promised so much, but we never really, you know, he was playing 10 the year before, but then has moved out. And, and you know, it's um it's interesting how that sort of came about. And, and turned around in the end. And, and in a way, like, I, you know, I started off the podcast giving, I guess, Deans a bit of a serve that you went from this team that in attacking rugby could do so much. But I guess his point was, yeah, but you can't ship 49 points to the All Blacks, um, you know, and expect to win a World Cup. And so that's where suddenly you had, like, Paddy McCabe, who quite literally would break his neck and keep playing, um, uh, you know, to come in at centre to kind of, you know, shore that up. But... You know, with that went something that I think we saw in this test and as part of this this year that was just so mercurial that you just you wonder where it could have got to. 
Yeah. yeah and, and, and while we do uh, highlight moments of soft defence, and, you know, to be fair, mostly around Quaid, but a few others, but but also when, because, you know, and, and Benny was caught out there a few times and Stephen Moore, the, the, the tight five were caught out wide just with the width of play and the isolated. Mm. There was that period of awesome defence just before half-time. In fact, I think it was in the lead-up to Jimmy Cowan's try. There was a period where they were right on our land, line and that, you know, Repeated sets and so on, we kept them out and ultimately Jimmy got over. But, you know, there was definitely signs there of um, some some good defensive units as well. So, uh, yeah, you would have liked to think that we could build more from this. Uh, yeah, for sure. So you look at the last, let's look at the last five minutes. And much yeah. like the 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 um, 2000 Bledisloe 2, I was going, how did we win this game? Yes. You know, because <laughs> I think it was the 77th minute or something, we were on our line. And then we can see the penalty, which, of course, Stephen Donovan missed. Um, pretty kickable penalty. And then, you know, we have that, that phase on attack. Phase on attack, turn it over, and then Donald has the infamous kick that doesn't find touch. Uh, Curly Bill does them remarkably well to run it back to the 22. Mm. Um, and then, of course, we go from there. But, I mean, I suppose you've got to ask the question, is, is, is did the All Blacks hand this to us in the last five minutes? Yeah. Well, like, you know, um, it, it's, it feels like we'd been doing that for, you know, for, for, I don't know, the last five or six years. And so, you know, it's, you, you can forget that we used to be on the right side of that ledger sometimes. But also, we have probably had games handed to us that we haven't taken. And, you know, yeah. you've you got to take these games. And I, the, the execution was superb, like you say, you, the, the bill return there, but also you know, the work done to, to get the ball out to O'Connor and even the work done by O'Connor to get across the line. As Like you say, this guy's a 20-year-old, you know, tiny kid um, and, and to bump off the players he did. But, you know, the work from, I think, McCallum and Pocock, Elson to get the ball there and recycle and so on was exceptional. It was just such a, a really impressive finish and, 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 and unfortunately not the... Um, the sign of things to come. Uh, impact from the bench was great. I thought, you know, Slipper when he came on, like I said, a remarkable story. Barnes, I thought was fantastic, and just another reminder of what a what a good player he was. That I don't think we ever really saw the best of. Mm, no, definitely. And actually, I tell you, somebody that we kind of glossed over there was this was David Pocock. So yeah, you know, how old was David Pocock at that stage? He, he must have been fairly early twenties, was he? Well, he was Quaid's age, I think, or he might have been a year younger than Quaid. So yeah, I think yeah. he would have been twenty-two. Yeah, um, and I'm like again reading the uh, fantastic punditry um, in the <laughs> in the player ratings. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely. I think I gave him man of the match with an eight, um, and I you know went on about his turnovers. But he actually in the first half he was pretty quiet. Um, it was in the second half he absolutely came to the fore, and there were some really important steals that kind of got us up the up up the match up 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 the park. But um, yeah, it was. Fascinating watching him in the early days. And yeah. what about, and I know, you know, we don't just highlight players, but Rocky, you know, I'd forgotten what a, he could have yeah. been anything for the Wallabies. You know, he was just the perfect six, I reckon, just a physical, you know, really good runner, you know, great skills, um, and was captain. You know, he just was a really good player. And we you know, had that great year, was it for Munster or wherever he went to Ireland? Leinster. Was, Leinster was, of course it was, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. But he... We, we we never really saw that again. It was a shame because he could have been one of the greats. I reckon he was superb. Well, because I, I think what happened from memory was he, yeah, he left and then he, he had this chronic, was it a hamstring or something? He ne and he never quite got right ever again yeah. after that Leinster season um, where I think he was playing for Michael Checker, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, um, but um, the, I mean, is he underrated historically? I, I dare say he probably is looking back on it like, I think at the time we, you know, he wasn't probably the captain that we needed, um, you know, that that year and obviously was replaced by Horwell uh, in, in the following year. But, um, yeah, you look at him now and I feel like he'd probably walk into the Wallabies now. He's that yep. line-out option. He's big. He, he, he had that physical defence. Like, But maybe it's because he, I don't know, he was always hard to warm to and, he hasn't had any sort of presence in the media or in the yeah. society after his career. So everyone's kind of, I don't know, he's just sort of slipped from the memory or it doesn't, there's certainly no warmth when you think of Rocky Olsen. But do you remember, though, that the, I think what might have contributed to that was, if I remember rightly, didn't, there might have been an injury, but then didn't he have a thing where 
he was basically given a dispensation to go play in Ireland because he had a financial debts or something. And he had to, and that, wasn't that the story that we got really? sold? Yeah. Yes, the, I can remember that. There was some financial um, challenges around or some financial implications around it, yeah. Yeah, so that was the story. And that's why he was given dispensation to go and play in Ireland, which is to earn a bag of euros or, or whatever to kind of bring back. Um, and then I don't think he, well, then I think he stayed a bit longer than everyone expected. And it obviously was that. And, it, and I think he, like, if I remember rightly, he had like a season where he barely played for the Waratahs because of that hamstring, but then turned up in Ireland and absolutely killed it. And then came back for a brief bit. But I, just, I remember talking, I think Bob Dwyer used to do quite a bit with him back there, like overseas. And I think, wasn't he at Narbonne? I think he was part of that. Yes, ownership uh, structure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, th I think he'd done quite well, I think, in business and was doing a bunch of different stuff. And, um, yeah, was rated very highly just as a business as a business brain, I think, by a lot of people who work with him. So, yeah, he's, he's quite a, yeah, he's quite a, a I don't know, a, a mysterious, mysterious figure. I think you're right on that point, at least, Hugh. So he went, I'm just reading an article in the Irish Times that was published last year called Whatever Happened to the Wonderful Rocky Elsom? Oh, wow. And basically it says... Leading a consortium of Australian investors, including Bob Dwyer, he took over Narbonne uh, in an attempt to create rugby's version of Moneyball. That's how initial reports painted the situation that descended into accusations of financial mismanagement and a police investigation. So there you go. And then he's... I'm sorry, I'm still scrolling through the article. So yeah, no, if, I remember rightly, yourselves, if, but, uh, if I remember rightly, I think some of the local French guys got their nose out of joint and... Um, yeah, got lawyers involved. So, yeah, I think that's, if I remember rightly, I think that's what happened. Yes. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's an interesting sort of, interesting sort of character. Um, my, I've, I've just got a couple more things. For, uh, yep. But while we're still talking about the game itself, um, the kick from O'Connor is the best game-winning yes. kick of all of the game-winning kicks. I yes. mean, in the sense that, you know, uh, you compare it to, to Eels, you compare it to Mortlock, you, can, you know, you compare it to... I don't know who. There's a probably another one in there. Larkin, well. yeah, um, Matty Burke scored one. Larkin's dropped goal. Burke, yeah, that's right. Beal, I mean, Beal, yeah. Beal's one on the high belt. Yeah, I mean, Beal's one on the high belt struggles because the angle's not great. The camera angle's not great. I'd love to see a rear angle on that kick. But that, from the moment it came off his boot, I've never seen it go just a bullet over the black dot and, and miles back. Like, it was an amazing kick. Mm. Yeah. Just dead no, straight. It was completely, um, and like considering we were just talking, with, you know, when we were talking to Benny was just, he didn't, maybe because he was just young enough, he didn't have any fear or nerves, just step straight up and, and slots it. Yeah, uh, that, that was amazing. Um, my only other comment just generally on the game was the thing that got me watching that replay. Oh, God, it's just how the whinging from Phil Kearns and Greg Martin the oh. entire game. <laughs> I could... It just was like it was honestly like it was probably seventy five percent of Phil Kearns' commentary was whinging about refereeing decisions, and it like I, I I had to mute it at a certain point. It was it was just appalling. This is very funny because I had made a note here, and I was going to bring it up and lead in by saying that this could be perhaps the most controversial statement. But my note is Mardo is actually a very good reader of the game. I I thought. His oh analysis was, was excellent. I thought he was great. Um, and, Maybe yeah, he, not, it, my, my problem was less with Marto and more with Kearns. I, I yeah, just yeah. couldn't stand him. Yeah. And I think even Kafe is a very negative interpreter. Like I think if you go back and listen to Gordon Bray and, and David Fordman and that sort of stuff, and I know they're more the lead and less the colour sort of thing, but you don't get the constant negativity all through the game, and it I, does get very trying. It, it honestly, like, and you look back at, we've watched those 2000 ones, and, yeah, you know, we had a crack at Murray Mextead, but, like, even then, the, the commentary was, was broadly, didn't really dwell on the refereeing decisions. They'd say, oh, yep, there's a, you got penalised for hands in the rock, okay, you know, play on yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it yeah. was never this sort of, it, and it, it's obviously, I don't think you, I'd be, I don't know, it's underrated how much that's contributed to certain things in our game, I think, is watching yeah. the test match through his eyes. Yeah. Um, Phil Kearns' eyes and hearing that just the tone of his voice and just going, you know, I don't know, Alain Roland's had a shocker there or they're miles offside or, all you know, God, Richie McCaw's just gotten away with murder there. And it's just a constant... 
barrage that mm. just we you know worms its way into your brain. I just I thought, oh god, get him out of there. Get someone positive in there that 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 can actually I don't know give something to the game, or you know make him see oh one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was interesting because I guess the. Uh, you know, looking back at it historically, you always had the Gordon Brays and the Buddha Handies who, you know, are basically cheerleaders for the game. Um, and I guess, I think Kern's appeal at the time, but your point might be that it got old pretty quick, was that he would come in and say, well, I thought that was bullshit, yeah. you know, which which you just hadn't had before. And I remember, I remember the first time I tuned into it, I was like, oh, bloody hell, finally someone's saying it. But to your point here is that it, it needs to be the odd piece of colour. It can't be, you know, it can't be 78 minutes of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I, it's, it's, it, it really drained me. I like, that was my constant takeaway. God, let's just shut up. You, okay. Let's, <laughs> um, yeah. But my, my only other note here is just how good Ma Nonu was. I love yeah. Ma Nonu yeah. could be my all time favourite non-Australian player. I just, just the way that he could, cut open a game at, at, at any one time. The physical defence, the, the passing game, he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you're, you're right. He was the way he could find a gap, make a break, game, break, make a break was just superb. Um, anything else, lads? I recognise it's uh, getting pretty late. But uh, anything else, Matt, from this game? No, look, I just think it's... Um, well, I said at the top, I, I'm just amazed at how great the quality is. Um, yeah. I mean, it was interesting, Hugh, you, you were talking about why did we do these matches again? And it was like it was about earning money. And it's probably why we're able to actually watch this because I think this would be under a different rights agreement than the, the regular run of season sort of um, what, what, whatever it was. Was it Tri-Nations back then or, or um, Rugby yeah, Championship? Still, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it, I would imagine this would be arranged outside of that, which is why it was extra cash because it wasn't part of the Fox deal. Um, but um, anyway, nonetheless, what it now means is that you can watch it for free um, on the uh, Rugby Australia site. And, um, yeah, it's brilliant. And you can, if you can stream something to your TV, you can sit there and watch it in HD. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. Good stuff. Hugh, anything else? Final thoughts? Um, <laughs> not really, no. But it's funny, you go back and look at some of our old 2010. This is the first one where Green and Gold Rugby existed. It's interesting to see through, <laughs> you know. I went back and looked at the forum and just how the same. <laughs> it was quite remarkably negative in, in true forum fashion uh, <laughs> and going and looking at some of the some of the things that were written. So maybe uh, I, I like that. Maybe our next one should continue in that era. Maybe, I mean... Do we do the the high velt game that year, or do we go further on and find something else? I'm well, we sure. definitely need to move on from New Zealand. I think we need to have a break from the All Blacks and look uh, further afield internationally. So we'll we'll come back to you all and think about and let you know which game we're going to do. But uh, there's some good options out there. All right, Matt and Hugh, thanks very much for your time tonight. Good on you, mate. And thanks Good to Benny Alexander again, and obviously Nick in the booth. And to all our listeners, hope you're getting by. Uh, thanks for joining in. Let your friends know about this if you think they might enjoy it. And we're uh, always keen for feedback. So uh, stay safe and we'll speak to you next week. Heels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Gregan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a de Beer.